probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good morning. Uh, this is uh, uh, Mr. Vincent, Vincent Fault of Various. Although the various songs are not happening this morning, uh, as I said last week, uh, what we're doing in preparation for next week, which is Parliament Week, uh, is we're doing a little question time on the radio this morning. Uh, and then tomorrow, Mr. Bridges, Mr. Waters, Mr. Shivers, uh, Mrs. Keane, uh, and I are going to be having like a live question time in Friday Assembly, uh, compared by uh, the incomparable Dr. Pullen. So, uh, if you miss radio this morning, as I'm sure a lot of you will, uh, you can get a chance to catch up with some things tomorrow. Okay, we're going to start off um, with uh, a, a song by Queen. This is in honour of the fact that this, so far this year, if we're talking politics, one minister has resigned for every four days of 2022. Um, here we go. <laughs>
Okay, another one bites the dust by Queen. You'll all recognise that. Uh, that was actually in honour of uh, of Gavin Williamson, or should I call him Sir Gavin Williamson, for not much, not having rendered much service to anyone, um, who resigned yesterday. As I say, on average, one minister per four days of 2022. Anyway, uh, over to Mr. Waters now, who's going to kick us off with the first so, question. Yeah, first question we've got comes from Izzy in A2. Do you think Matt Hancock's position as MP for West Suffolk should be taken from him after his decision to go on I'm a Celeb. Bridges, what do you think? I am intrigued as to how he thinks he's got enough time to do both jobs. If any, in any other workplace, if you took three weeks to go and earn, what, £400,000 doing another job at the expense of doing your current job, you would You'd probably sucks. lose it, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So why should that person be any different? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I would just throw another little grenade in here, which is that for over three weeks, Boris Johnson has been absent from well, the House of Commons, well. either on holiday in the Dominican Republic or going to COP when he's not a national representative or before that doing the after-dinner speaking circuit. For 150 grand a night. For I think that the, the issue here is that there is a mechanism for the electorate in a constituency to get rid of an MP, often for scandal offer sleaze through a recall petition but I don't think the recall petition allows for an MP to be removed for doing a second job which is effectively what this is and actually a large number of MPs probably a majority within the Conservative government, those 100 ministers that make up the government do have second jobs so how is this any different from you know George Osborne who at the time had six jobs and given over a certain amount of days every year so I think that the the question needs to be framed and that is reframed and that is should MPs have second jobs and I think if you can't give up sufficient time to do the one job properly then you shouldn't do it at all the second issue though is on pay I think see I'm just going to flip that one and try and challenge it a little, little bit as we use MPs as government ministers and in select committee chairs and they've got extra roles as well you aren't just a backbench MP there are other roles that you can do he is though he is, yes, he is. So, because he is just a backbench MP with no extra responsibilities, it's possible that he has time to do second jobs, whereas those who are in government already have a second job as MP and government minister. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think some of it sort of strikes to the heart of what you get if you have a parliamentary system of government, isn't it? Um, you know, I would contend that no government minister does a decent job representing their constituency. You know, a prime minister cannot do a decent job representing their constituency as a constituency MP. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to rip up the whole thing and start again. But you've got you've got an essential issue here that I think we'll keep coming back to with other issues about British politics. And I don't want to be too harsh on it because it is kind of working. And the whole Liz Truss episode seems to show that we'll probably have more of this tomorrow. But the problem with British politics is that so much of it, for those of you who study politics, relies upon convention Uh, that is a way that people have always done things and it kind of assumes that people are going to be gentlemanly about it and people are going to play within certain sort of obvious rules and when you get disruptors in chief uh, like Boris Johnson uh, like Matt Hancock like Gavin Williamson coming along um, the, the whole system starts to sort of slightly fall apart did you watch I'm a Celebrity last night I, w- I was watching MasterChef The Professionals. I, mate. I did. I don't normally watch ITV. Never mind, I'm celebrity. I think I watched. I think I watched its very first season about twenty years ago. Old time celebrity, but I was. 
They put somebody on who I thought, I want to watch this guy get covered in sludge and snails and snakes and all sorts, and didn't, didn't, didn't disappoint, but... He was not well received in the camp. Yeah, I actually felt a bit bad for him, and I think it comes down to the second point about how our politicians are perceived. And I, I, I don't know. He must have the skin as thick as a rhino if he can sit in that and face that because it was awkward to watch. So it must have been awkward to to face that. Ignorance is bliss, I'd say as well. He seems yeah. like a fairly decent bloke, though. To be honest, well, I actually, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to portray himself as normal and rehabilitate himself as somebody else. I, and he's I'm, looking for a career in showbiz now. I'm sure. It? To be fair, most of them are. I mean, most politicians who step down. If we think about people like Ed Balls, who's a very good TV presenter, yeah, Michael yeah. Portillo. Mm. These were people who were absolutely slated when they were politicians, and people thought they were terrible. Ed Balls, especially. Right? Ed Balls, yeah. especially. Yeah, his travels in Euroland. That's yeah, that's a great. That's a great series. If you ever get to watch that, and they did that home cooked program. And strictly come dancing, yeah. and uh, yeah, no, he's been, oh, he's man. been, he's been great. Um, and yeah, no, I won't say the joke, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say within that, um, what does seem to be fairly universal in the last couple of days is how everybody seems to be agreeing that Gavin Williamson is not a decent kind of bloke. Um, he's that's been gleet, greeted with a fair amount of glee, but I said mostly from yeah, the Conservative like, Party. We said that's that not a surprise. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know it isn't, but it's it, like, it might come as a surprise to some people. It's news to us. He was a whip. That is what whips do. With it, and he had a tarantula on his... On his on well, his as Keir, Keir Starmer landed quite a good one yesterday, he, he did, said yeah. he's too weak to rein in a comedy bully with a pet spider or something, which was, yeah. which is quite good. But I don't think... I, don't, I think that's sort of unfair on the victims of, of yeah, Williamson's true. bullying to make it out like he's just some sort of comedic character. I think he's quite calculated. And actually, this is somebody that managed to keep Boris Johnson in check when he was a backbench MP because he was the chief whip at the time. Mm. So he must have a fairly strong charge sheet for most of the MPs. And, and you know, one of the biggest tools that a whip's got is, controversially, blackmail, and they use it regularly. So I don't understand the surprise. Some of his, you know, the language is awful, it's horrible. But, uh, but you know, Kel Surprise, what, what were your... What was yeah, I think... That? I think again, who's I listening to talking about? I don't think about? that doesn't make it right. By the way, I just Absolutely I don't know where not, the surprise no, is. No. I think I, I was listening to a thing yesterday, a podcast where I think it was Tobias Elwood, um, sort of famously quite rebellious Tory MP, was saying, you know, actually twenty years ago, none of what he said would have surprised anyone, but that actually times have moved on, and that 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 sort of the the sort of language and the sort of threats he was making wouldn't have been out of place at all 20 years ago as part of the you know again from a school point of view 20 years ago we would have dismissed quite a lot of things as banter right yeah, yeah. I mean literally mm. you know I've been here for 20 years and I know that would have been the case right from the very bottom to the very top of the school but times move on and and clearly Gav hadn't hadn't moved with the times probably yeah. fair Probably fair. We've got another UK question for oh, question. I was going to say, um, Williamson's memoirs will make an interesting read when he sort of reveals all. Uh, UK question. What should we go for? Mm. Oh, no. Things like, how long do you think Richard should last? Should the cabinet be made up of MPs or unelected experts? Um, not unelected experts. No. That's not you know, at the, all. America, the American Some system. The questions. No. But then I guess you can have the Lords and, you know, by convention, a cabinet minister is an MP, but they can come from the Lords. Right. I was, I was, I was going to ask, a, 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 well, I, somebody asked me this in class 
Um, but I don't think they wrote in. Uh, on the Lords, this is an interesting point. We're just about mm. to have published uh, Boris Johnson's resignation honours list, in which he includes uh, uh, an MP, or what, a couple of MPs, mm. but uh, particularly Nadine Doris, who herself went on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. Let's not forget and have yeah. the whip suspended from her. Uh, but also a 27-year-old special advisor. Oh, yeah, because... worked for him for about 18 months. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean... <sighs> I, I used to be quite a fan of an uncodified constitution and quite a fan of the House of Lords in some ways in that it allowed expertise. But this just seems to be taking the mickey, isn't it? Yes, it it it, it, it is. And until someone is brave enough to make the, the, the constitutional change that's required, that sort of thing's going to happen. But then, as you said yesterday, Simon, actually... This this honours thing is a relatively new convention that began with David Cameron when he threw his toys at the pram after after he became after he had to resign because of the referendum. And prior to that, there's not sort of this idea that you you resign as a prime minister and then you get given the you know the chance to chuck a load of people in the House of Lords. That's a relatively new thing. So actually, it's just a case of Speaker of the House of Lords, the Speaker of the Commons, and the and the, and the Parliament officials just need to get a grip of this and say. No, it's not going to happen. Absolutely not. I think the two kind of separate things, isn't there? There are honours and honours, and that, that and that's what slightly gripped me. That I, th- I think things like MBEs and OBEs, um, that's fine. Although, of course, we do need to bear in mind the British Empire doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, being a member of it, an order of it, maybe isn't quite what it used to be. But it does strike me that even with those, I think those are relatively harmless honours. Even if it's it's pretty insulting to someone who's worked their whole life. Um, in a hospice or with disabled children and then gets honoured with an OBE, whereas a special advisor who's worked for a prime minister for 18 months gets one as a, as a sort of handout at the end of it. I think it's quite another uh, to put someone into the legislature, which the House of Lords still is, until the end of their life. You know, the term of service for a lord is till the end of their life. And every day they turn up for work, they get 300 quid and they play a part in the laws that we obey. And we therefore end up with either very young, unqualified people or people like Lord Lebedev of Siberia or whatever it is. And and that just, it, it heightens, I think, calls that the House of Lords needs to be binned and start again for me. I think the Lords is in its twilight, in its current form anyway. I don't see that it can stay as it is for the foreseeable. We've spoken about this before. Perhaps the best solution is a is an elected upper chamber to some extent. If you're going to have if you're going to have the benefits of the upper chamber, then I think there needs to be an, there needs to be an element of democracy. I think there needs to be regional representation. So I go for the House of Lords being almost like a, a sort of uh, a, 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 a a Bundesrat in in Germany or the Reichsrat, but before it, like a regional. Um, probably proportionally elected, so that the southwest has representatives in the upper chamber, uh, as does the northeast and Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland and all those other things. And I know that doesn't solve like the West Lothian question, but it would seem to me that that's a sensible way. Um, yeah. That's why I've always said, and you said as well, isn't it? The AMS system they use in Scotland would be quite an easy me- mechanism for that. You have a constituency mm-hmm. MP. Um, and then you have a regional proportional list. What do you reckon, JW? I would agree. Piecemeal change, it's coming. Um, I think the House of Lords does still provide some necessary functions, but you can't just keep in whacking non-experts and what I call ballast 
try and make yeah. up the numbers. And that's, I think, what's, what's coming down to is the Tories trying to save their skins all the time and trying to make sure the House of Lords is their, you know, their puppet they can control, I would say. Okay, so I think take us into the yeah. second half of, of this talk. Um, here's, here's a, a tune by Razorlight. I'm in Well I go out somewhere Then I come home again A lot of cigarettes I can't get no sleep There's nothing on the TV Nothing on the radio That means that much to me All my life Watching America All my life panic in America Yesterday was easy, happiness came and went I got the movie script but I don't know what it meant A lot of cigarettes, I can't get no sleep There's nothing on the TV, nothing on the radio that means that much to me There's nothing on the TV, nothing on the radio that I can believe in Watching America All my life There's panic in America Oh, 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 oh There's trouble in America
Okay, there's there's Razorlight uh, in, in America. Um, so obviously that's fairly unsubtle, isn't it? We're going to move on to talk about the midterms in America. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, there's yeah, trouble in America. Stefani is asking, what are the what are the midterms? What do they mean? And what are the effects of this on the US and overseas and abroad? Okay, what is going? Big uh, questions there. Right. Okay, I'll start with a with a just a I suppose a little bit of a, a, a descriptive thing there. Um, America is. Um, a much more democratic political system than our own, um, right down to the very bottom sort of levels of postmasters and sheriffs and things like that. So democracy is kind of hardwired into it. Now, that's not necessarily a compliment. Um, it's got to be said, but but um, democracy is, is 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 quite widespread, and that comes down to the formation of the US and other things. Um, Midterm. So um, every two years in America. Uh, a third of the seats in the Senate. So the Senate uh, is two senators from every state. There are 50 states in the USA. I know lots of you think there are 52, but there aren't. Every time I do this as a quiz in class and say <clears throat> how many states in America, people say 52. And I don't know where that comes from, but uh, there are 50, right? Hawaii Five O and all that. Um, so two senators <laughs> from every... You don't know is what Hawaii like... Five O is. That's... I know what it is. I didn't know where it came from. Yeah, of course it is. No idea. Oh, oh come geez. on, guys. Every day is school day at Brian's. Pa- well, there, there we, we go. go. Every day is a learning day. Um, yeah, so whatever the size of the state, whether it's California with whatever it is, 50-odd million people in it, or Wyoming with 300,000, they get two senators. Uh, so a third of those seats are up for election every two years. So that what we never face with the, the Senate is it completely full of new people. Um, so in a way, it's quite a sensible idea that a third, you know, are elected like that. Um, and then all the seats in the House of Representatives, which is their sort of version of the House of Commons, 435 seats, all of them are up for um, for election. Now, the issue with this is unlike our system that I was sort of slightly veiledly criticising earlier, um, you can be a government in the US and yet have... Uh, the the House, the House of Representatives and the Senate against you uh, or from a majority of another party. That simply can't really happen uh, in the UK system where the government emerges from Parliament. Um, So there were quite big things to play for here because Biden's got two more years as president. Uh, And again, maybe we'll talk about the security of the executive. You know, an American president is in for four years unless you can put them on trial and find them guilty. That's never happened. It's been tried several times. Um, Rather than us, we can get rid of our prime ministers after, well, 44 44 days, isn't it? It was a remarkable thing the other day. Somebody said if the Queen's prime ministers had all lasted as long as Liz Truss, she would have had 563 prime ministers during her reign. Um, So anyway, we had the midterms and the wide expectation was that the Republicans, that's the opposite party from Biden, who's a Democrat, the Republicans, there was going to be what they call a red wave. Red is the colour of the Republicans and that they were going to sweep to power in both the Senate and the House of Representatives. And that hasn't entirely happened, has it? I know, more so of a a small red ripple. So it seems that the Republicans are on the ascendancy. The Democrats, they're claiming it as a good night because they didn't get defeated by as much as they thought they would. It's always risky, though, isn't it, for the president in in that first midterms? They always, they always, Obama lost in the first midterms badly. George W. Bush did. Yeah, and and often what we're seeing after those first midterms is quite common for there to be a lame duck president. I don't think. Well, he might. He still might end up being. He still might. You know, the Republicans still might control Congress by this time next week. Right. But 
the numbers matter, I think. And I think this will, um, I was saying yesterday, I think it would spook Trump enough not to, not to throw his hat back in the ring. Well, I think most commentators seem to think that Trump had a really, really bad night. Uh, it was it was an all right night for the, the Republicans per se. And the biggest winner was a guy called Ron DeSantis, who's um, uh, in Florida, won a massive majority there and is widely seen as the front runner, I think, for the for the Republican nomination in 2024. Climate denier. Climate denial. Oh, I know. I'm not claiming anything, anything wonderful about the guy whatsoever. Um, but all, or pretty much all, the personal picks of of Don Trump, uh, Donald Trump, including a guy called Mehmet Oz in uh, Pennsylvania, who was supposed to win this massive victory. All his picks, who are kind of weirdos and whatever, have have got annihilated. So his personal uh, prestige is looking pretty low. Now, even if the, as as Mr. Waters, as you quite rightly point out, the Republican star seems to be slightly rising, but we'd expect that with a Democrat president. Yeah, absolutely. It's giving a bloody nose to the president. It's the same as happens in by-elections in the UK. You don't like the current executive, you're don't, don't, not a fan of the current government, so you try to give it a bit of a knock. Same story there. Yep. I think you're right in thinking that, uh, you know, Trump is there trying to get his, trying to get his crown back. It hasn't worked. Other Republicans claim more popular. I'm looking through some of the stats with, you know, support for DeSantis versus Trump in Florida, and this year compared two years ago, DeSantis is ten percentage points ahead from where Trump was. He is much, much more popular than Trump or even Trump. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this 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 now could be the end of him. It'd be pretty dangerous, though, wouldn't it, to have someone with the beliefs of Trump but the conviction and abilities of Bush. Yeah, no, I, I, I quite agree. I, I'm, I'm not trying to sugarcoat DeSantis at all, yeah. nor indeed Pence, who may be another front runner who yeah. has um, some sort of personal views that I think many people in the UK would find mm. <laughs> slightly interesting. But then, you know, I think I think that goes for, for quite a, a, a portion. We, we, we were talking earlier, weren't we? I mean, we were looking at the the kind of issues on which Americans voted and far and away that the biggest was, was inflation. And I think that's, that's a kind of, that's a global fact at the moment that the rising prices of food and, you know, petrol and mortgages and things is going to be the big news. Incumbent governments around the world are going to find the next two years incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bank of England said just recently we're about to go into a two-year recession. That takes, um, you know, if you say poor Rishi, but that does take Rishi up to the next election. There isn't much good news coming around the corner um, for anyone. But actually, interestingly, the second most um, popular thing upon which people voted was abortion. Um, and many of you will be aware that the Supreme Court, um, with three new Trump appointees in it, right-wingers, um, took away the Roe versus Wade uh, ruling, meaning that it's not now an automatic right of US citizens to have an abortion. I don't think lots of people and uh, have made a huge, well, lots, some people have, but I was listening to a commentator last night who was saying this is the great quiet issue of this uh, this election, that people didn't necessarily want to come out and say to TV that they were cross about this. But actually, secretly, because they're afraid of being seen as pro-abortion, and that's quite a big thing in America. But actually, there are lots of particularly women, obviously, and young people in America who were absolutely outraged by the Supreme Court's decision. They blame the Republicans for it, and they've kind of quietly but effectively voted with their feet. What do you reckon, 
Bridges. Yeah, probably. And you see that across lots of democracies, don't you? The silent majority, they come out and they swing things in different directions. So in 2019, famously 1992, EU referendum, it happens all of the time. And so there is always a limit to the effectiveness of polls in predicting what an outcome might be. It seems they've got this one wrong. It won't be the first time and probably won't be the last time either. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I, again, I, I base quite a lot on what I listen to. I was listening to um, a thing yet uh, a couple of days ago where, do you know what I mean by Julia Gillard? Former yeah, the old... Pre- Prime Minister, Prime Minister of Australia. Australia, who gave the, the famous misogyny <laughs> speech. But she was being oh, yeah. asked about, and she was just saying what a fan she was in Australia of compulsory voting. They have to vote. Even if you go into a voting booth and you spoil your ballot paper. And it wasn't for democratic reasons necessarily. She said the main thing about that is it forces politicians to think about the middle of the road people. Mm. Um, that they can't just rely on the extremes. That they have to worry whether their uh, whether their policies are going to fall well with just the kind of middle of the road average voter, yeah, and I was enough. quite taken with that. Yeah, that's a good argument. Yeah, have you been following the midterms, Mr. Waters? You um, not as much U.S. politics is my my main thing. Um, there's a little bit and pieces here, but I don't know. I think you could probably still say gun crime, immigration is what's main driver, or one of the main drivers in Republican votes. It's funny, isn't it? Because the Democrats yeah. talk about gun crime, whereas the Republicans will talk about gun ownership. It's an yeah. interesting yeah. framing of... of and they'll separate, they'll separate gun policy from crime as well. They're two different things for Republicans, it seems. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, I, I don't want to get... I, t- I tell you what, I think there's maybe... On this one. Yeah. I think maybe we should... We should move on in a little bit too we'll we'll play a quick tune and then we'll do the last bit i think what i don't want to do is steal mr shivers's fun thunder for tomorrow because i know uh-huh. he's very um sort of uh he's he's got some some big views on this and and possibly this is something that we should be uh that we should be addressing uh in the assembly tomorrow mr shivers can give us his take on that so we'll have a quick um tune uh, i don't know if you know this tune it's primal scream i think it's a tune um and then we'll do the final bit here's rock by Primal Scream.
Okay, that's Rocks by Primal Scream. Nice little sort of wake-up tune for you in the morning. Um, so we're moving on to our final question. We're only here till quarter past eight this morning. Yep. Uh, and again, this is just a little bit of a taster for uh, Assembly tomorrow. Um, um, uh, what, what we've got is the last question, Mr. Question Waters. from Murray. We're going to pivot from the US over to Eastern Europe. When will the Russian-Ukrainian war end and how? I think probably a lot longer than people hope. Because I think the the... The big issue, I think, in this is not whether the Ukrainians can expel the Russians from the majority of Ukrainian soil. I think they can. But I think it will be what happens to Crimea. And I think that that is going to be the thing that's going to rumble on for the longest because Zelensky is not going to accept that Crimea is not part of Ukraine. But already, even Johnson last week said... You know, the territorial integrity of Ukraine is sacrosanct, but Crimea is potentially a different question. Now, the Ukrainians don't see that as a different question, but the international community maybe do if it gives the opportunity for a a settled peace. So I think a long time yet. I think the the hostilities and the the, the conflict may may settle down over the winter and people may hope that it's sort of... dead and dying but I don't think it will it'll probably pick up again in the spring and it could be perpetual conflict remember this conflict's already been going on since 2014 it's yeah. not something that's been happening yeah, since yeah. 2022 so we're yeah. talking decades I think. yeah I think I think I think that's a really good point and just reminding people that this does go back to 2014 and and Crimea has been in Russian hands since 2014 and indeed you know again I'm not trying to provide excuses but there were a few eyebrows raised even back in 1991 that uh that Crimea ended up in the sovereign state of Ukraine. Now, again, it's, you know, I, 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 I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not trying to deny anybody's, you know, territorial claims here. That's not for me to do. But, I mean, Johnson, yeah, one thing. I, again, I was listening to something with General Lord Richards, who's very sort of up on, you know, uh, international um, politics and, and, and military stuff the other day. And he was just saying that, you know, the problem is that, even if 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 you Ukraine were to take back Ukraine, they're creating a huge uh, Crimea. Sorry, they're creating a huge problem for themselves in that the vast majority of people there now are thoroughly Russified, uh, and therefore are you creating a sort of Northern Ireland scenario plus 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 in your own backyard? Um, I mean, we, we were speaking just before we we came on air. The the news that Russian troops are leaving Kherson today is big although you know the fact that they've announced it leads me to be quite suspicious you know they didn't announce their withdrawal from Kharkiv they didn't announce their withdrawal from Kiev um so the fact that they've done that I think there might be some skullduggery uh the Russians are masters at what they call Maskarova that is military deception putting people in civilian clothes and then 
taking film and claiming that civilians are being shot at. I, you know, I, I think the Ukrainians have got to go incredibly carefully. But if, as seems likely today, they have Kherson in their hands before the proper winter hits, then I think that effectively takes away the chances of Russia making any further advances in Ukraine. And then the conflict gets stuck as it's been stuck since yeah. 2014 and Russia gets stuck where they are and I guess the the risk for Ukraine is that they don't want to they want to pause to the conflict and allow Russia time to to strengthen and and integrate themselves into the local population like they have done yeah. in Crimea so and hence since 2014 in Donbass. So I think it's I think it's a long time yet and I think it's going to be long, painful, expensive and I think one of the biggest risks for Ukraine is what happens when elections happen in America and in the UK because support isn't guaranteed. Biden's offering his support, but will DeSantis? Absolutely. I think the the question of when will it end is outside of Ukraine's hands. It depends more on the support they've been given by the West and how long that goodwill lasts. I think we're already seeing in Italy rumblings about you know cost living crisis. If we were to buy energy from Ukraine, from Russia again, that would help them out. And is it a pound in pocket situation as well? Possibly here in Britain eventually, where we think can we reach some sort of terms of peace so that if Russia is rebuilding Ukraine, say Russia needs financing for that, that will come from selling its gas back to Europe. Are we in danger of democracy almost failing there? I don't think I don't think together. Russia are going to end up paying reparations no. for it. No chance. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I can't remember what I was listening to the other day, mm-hmm. um, but they were saying, you know, the other thing that we need to be slightly aware uh, aware of and beware of is that at the moment, if we if we look at Russia and we we kind of extrapolate a kind of Putin stepping down from power, let's say. None of the alternatives seem to be much better. I think the the thought that some pro-Western, you know, benign democratic government is going to come in and and maybe we we end up if you know if that were to happen if and if you know the the Ukrainians were to go into Crimea, uh, maybe we'd end up with a kind of revanchist government there. And the thing I was listening to said, you know, maybe you know Putin's not Hitler; he's Kaiser Wilhelm II. You know, he's the guy who's presided over the defeat and maybe what's born out of the defeat in terms of the desire for revenge might be even worse. Now, that's me going into my sort of history thing there. But, um, yeah, it's it's I think people's patience is going to be tested. I mean, I think it's played in a way quite well into the whole we haven't really talked about cop. Um, but of course, no, maybe, the, we'll to, maybe we'll discuss that tomorrow. I think cop, we'll discuss cop, that. Cop, tomorrow. Cops coming tomorrow. Cops coming yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think also, and and this is you know to set against the site, sort of lunacy of the. I was going to say the trust years, but I'll just say the trust days. Obviously, um, is that you know actually building capacity for wind and solar, they reckon is sort of seven eight times cheaper than trying to explore fracking or new gas exploration in the North Sea, which might also have an impact on the question about Scottish independence, by the way, um, because I think that that product from the North Sea is going to become less and less viable. Um, And so actually, I think what governments should be doing now in order to provide this security is pouring a lot of money that they might be pouring into fracking or North Sea oil into renewables. And that kind of kills two birds with one stone. Maybe that's me being too... Sort of no, rose tinted specs. I think, specs I think that is that is the uh, that is optimist. That's not 
too optimistic, actually. I think that's fairly rational, I think. Yeah. Norway have managed it a little bit. They put those um, hydro turbines in their fjords. And there is oh, yeah, well, how did they pay for that? that goes from Blythe in the northeast over to yeah. somewhere, I think it's up to Oslo somewhere. The biggest recipient yeah. of this uh, of the high inflation and cost of, of gas is, isn't Russia, really. It's no. Norway. Who's yeah. Pumping... Yeah. Pumping electricity f- through to it comes into the north. something that you know, yeah, yeah. The myth that, of the Scandinavian that, democracy, on that table. Yeah. utopian and socialist. But oh, it's built on well, built on oil. oil. It's built oil, on oil and gas, and and then now they're trying. They're branching out to other, you know, to be an energy supplier. That, yeah. that, that's what yeah. they want to do. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah wise to do, do, isn't it? Well, you've got to play to your natural resources, haven't you? I mean, yeah. Norway hasn't got a huge amount else i suppose but um yeah i mean it's, it's 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 a very interesting point but you know going back to going back to ukraine i think militarily we're probably done for the year mm-hmm. i think once ukrainian troops move into kherson uh people aren't going to be doing much they, they'll pound each other a bit there'll be a lot of long-range artillery mm-hmm. um if ukraine gets the stuff from the west then they'll be able to continue that um, but I, I, I don't really think there'll be much of a, a a movement until about the same time next year as the whole thing kicked off. Um, and yeah, that's my one prediction in an assembly. Of course, I got right, wasn't it, in my whole life. Yeah. This time last year, I was right to within two days of when an invasion might start. Um, that little bit just just after the snows start to melt and before the rain comes. Yeah, I know, but you know we can we can live in hope. Wait, All of my predictions have been perfectly sensible. It's just that the world has become mad. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my thing. <laughs> I'm still I'm 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 the 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 load the lodestone here of the uh, of of, of sensibility. Mm. Um, just a little update for those of you who might be interesting. India Ooh. look like they're currently eleven for one in the third <laughs> over of the T Twenty um, uh, semi final. So. Uh, there's some watching could and some t- listening. Could be a tasty final if it's India-Pakistan. Oh, it? well, there's another geopolitical problem that we might have to uh, take another time. Anyway, uh, we're going to play you out with the Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, have a great time. We'll see you all in assembly tomorrow morning. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.